You are listening to the Venture Scale SaaS Operator, the podcast where we interview founders who are actually in the trenches. We talk about the transparent journey of how they build their SaaS companies, how they grow them, and what they would do differently if they would do it all over. Hey folks, with us today, Mike from Kernels. Super happy to have you on. Thank you very much. I'm uh, excited to be chatting with you today. Awesome. Let's start with the most important thing. What problem do you solve for the customers? Yeah, um, for sure. So to give you a little bit of background on the company, so you have some idea of where this is coming from. Um, I grew up in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, my dad had pancreatic cancer um, for uh, pretty much all of my uh, last two years of high school uh, and all of college. Um, and, you know, I got very involved to the point where I actually went and worked in the, uh, medical research Institute, um, that he was being treated at Princess Merkel Cancer Center in Toronto, uh, in their medical physics department. So, you know, I got a very, very good idea, um, of what medical research actually looks like. And on the other side of it had, uh, my father who was going through multiple different, uh, treatments for, for pancreatic cancer, which over a six year period of time is a really extraordinary time to actually survive with that disease, um, which drove me to start uh, the Pancreatic Cancer Foundation of Canada, uh, which was at that time the only issue-based foundation focused on raising money for pancreatic cancer research. And pretty much everything we did, um, you know, keep in mind, we're going back before uh, Facebook was beyond something that was available to, uh, to college students uh, at uh, universities that were, you know, within their uh, their rollout, pretty much everything we did was was based uh, very directly on understanding what the needs were from different researchers and sharing those, um, you know, with a network of people that, for one reason or another, were were interested in in you know in advancing the care for pancreatic cancer. And it was extraordinarily effective. Uh, we raised a tremendous amount of money over a very long period of time doing that. Um, I did not work in professional fundraising. I worked in uh, investment management and moved to New York. Um, many years later, my mom was diagnosed with gallbladder cancer in 2018. She passed away from that disease. And when I went to go get back involved and I was looking for different areas to, uh, you know, uh, give money myself, but as well engage my network, I found that it was actually very difficult, uh, to gain a really tangible or concrete understanding, um, of what the opportunities were, uh, to be helpful at different, uh, different research centers. And I thought, you know, I know enough about medical research to understand that these the researchers, the men and women that are doing the work, they don't have any aversion to sharing their work. They're really excited, actually, about being able to connect with the public at you know very famous institutions where I have experience. And I sort of I wonder, you know, sort of why this is, and and whether or not this you know was any kind of a problem. And really, what I did is I started digging into um, how some really, really successful charities and other verticals operated. So I spent time with founders of some other charities that are in the clean water space, uh, the hunger relief space, uh, people that were raising money for example, like animal welfare. And what I found is they had really exceptional, uh, donor retention as well as they were building their pipelines organically, meaning they were finding donors without having to, to pay, to pay for that acquisition one way or another. This lies in exact sort of juxtaposition to the world of health and medical research and, and raising money for science in general. And I thought, this is weird. Why is this? Right. I, I don't, I'm not, I wasn't a fundraising, you know, I'm not a professional development person. Um, 
this was my second startup. Um, and, you know, other than that, I'd worked in finance and wealth management. So I don't, you know, I wasn't specific to the, to the area, but I thought, well, why is this? When I started looking at it, it seemed like the answer was pretty simple, which is the charities that are in those spaces, like clean water, are able to report back to donors very directly on the, the impact of the programs they're administering. And that's what people are interested in. And that's what folks share. Right. Yep. I supported this development of this water, clean water facility in in this town and whatever the case might be. And here it is. Check it out. It's cool. And other people go, oh, that's neat. And then you can talk about it. Giving to medical research is sort of very difficult to do that. I mean, the vast, vast majority of donors do not really understand what their money is doing. And I thought, you know, the problem here is that for whatever reason, there's a lack of agency from these organizations to invest in mechanisms at scale. They're very good at doing this with very large donors or major gift donors, but doing this at scale, I thought there's really probably an opportunity here to look at using you know a combination of software and services and SaaS, build a SaaS company. Um, you know that would kind of connect these two points and help help at scale these organizations um, you know do this at a lower cost. And the idea being that more folks who, for some reason or another, would have reason to be interested in one area or another of health um, would be able to connect with something that they were really excited about and obviously give money, but also you know spread the word and have something really concrete to share. So very specifically, the problem that we solve is we make it very easy for medical research institutes and, and, um, and uh, independent research foundations uh, to connect donors with impact. Um, and two, and that drives a combination of one retention, uh, and two, it, it drives uh, organic referrals for them for them to find new new donors and often very large ones. So the value prop to the organizational institution is basically that you increase the pipeline or or volume of donations and the the amount raised, basically. That's exactly right. We help them. We help them with getting their donors that are already to some degree interested in what they're doing, um, engaged in one, hopefully giving more money, but also two, sharing their work um, and driving referrals in, which is, you know, at the end of the day, the vast majority of um, of new large donors for, for the world of medical research come from either patients of a hospital, which is called a grateful patient. And in the case of more fundamental medical research, they come from referrals from other large donors who explained why it's interesting and to some degree acclimatize their network. Um, so that's we help them do that at, at a larger scale and a lower cost. If you need to hire the right developers and ship fast, then React Squad is for you. A boutique agency that specializes in React and only works with fast growth startups. Get a 14-day risk-free trial and a transparent price of $95 per hour. Visit reactsquad.io to learn more. And then moving a bit of away from the product or the, the purpose of the company and more to like the company building side of things. How do you approach building something in that space? I mean, like from a company building perspective, how do you, because in the end, every company as, non, as a for-profit needs to acquire customer retain them and make a profit at least enough profit to, to live of it um so, so how, how do you manage that because it's quite a unique space like it's not the typical b2b says basically yeah for sure um you know 
could have a conversation on on the 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 market and dealing with um, you know the development side of the nonprofit side at a, a different time. Um, but really, the way that we approached the development of the product really had two stages. Um, the first stage was, and the first thing that we needed to understand as a company was, you know, will um, you know will really large uh, you know institutions with quite honestly quite a lot to lose if they offer their donors a bad experience they probably have more to lose than to gain um will they trust a, a very early stage startup will they um use our software um in the early days we were focused on somewhat of a marketplace approach so we had a lot of different projects really forward on our website um so the first thing that we really focused on is well, what can we build here incrementally that's going to generate um, you know, that's going to generate enough trust in these early relationships to, to sign up and to start actually, you know, engaging with us so that we have an opportunity to, you know, beyond having conversations about their needs or whatever else, actually get them um, engaging with us and using the product and engaging their donors. So the real first phase of the company, probably where I spent the better part of the first year, was everything to do with, and it's not just technical, right? It's understanding the operating environment, the rules, right? So when you have a platform that's taking in donate donations for folks that are going to the University of Southern California are going to Princess Marble Cancer Foundation, which is the largest uh, oncology center in Canada, part of University of Toronto, um, you know, names like this, um, you know, what's a regulatory environment that you are operating in? What are your obligations to platform? What do you need to make sure that you're doing correctly? Um, getting the right type of advice in those areas. So really the first year of the company was really about um, understanding those things and particularly me being able to go and sit down with people that were in a position to sign, you know, an agreement with us and make sure that, you know, we, from an operating perspective and from a product perspective, and user experience perspective had something that met that bar. Once we did that, we signed up, I think 14 different, uh, institutions, um, to use the platform and very, very large name brand ones, Albert Einstein College of Medicine in the Bronx in New York city, um, Cornell's uh, Burke Neurological Institute, the University of Toronto's Princess Mercury Cancer Center, the University Health Network in Canada's American Foundation, um, Canadian Cancer Society. Um, you know, these are very, very large institutions, both on the development side, on the research side, as well as the independent foundation side. So once we validated that, we actually went out and raised some more money. Um, so the initial funds that I raised um, was kind of the minimum that I felt was necessary to make sure that you know, we weren't going to be building something in a space where people just didn't want to deal with a company at our at our stage. Um, so once we validated that, we went out and raised some more money, um, and then from there, really, um, you know, and a, you know, one of the mistakes that I made kind of lies in this area. But we really put our focus into understanding. Um, we really put our focus into understanding uh, how we would fit into the workflow of our clients. So. You know, when we first started out, we wanted to be as low touch as possible for them. So we had our, you know, we have still kernels, our own website. You can put a project there. It's sort of got that marketplace feel, sort of, you know, a la GoFundMe. Um, and what we found was um, that we were doing successful initial projects with folks, we'll call them pilots, um, but that, that setup wasn't appropriate to scale with us because the reality is in the B2B2C market, they're, there just wasn't a realistic path forward for those folks directing, um, you know, large numbers of their donors to our site. And that's when we made really a hard pivot into a pure SaaS model. Um, and, you know, since that point, really all of the development is based on, um, you know, our backlog is entirely based on 
um, a series of known issues um, or areas of the user experience, um, some of which don't come to the front-facing product. I mean, I can give you an example of something. Um, you know, for example, if if you're the uh, you know if you're uh, they're not a client of ours, but Harvard University, and you've you're working with kernels, and we've got a number of different research initiatives that we've put together. We put together project pages. We put together backend communications for folks. Um, and there's emails that are going out to donors that are associated with the project. Um, those could either come from kernels and in some way look like they're coming from Harvard, or there can be some level of a like a CRM integration that allows those to actually come from Harvard and them to maintain that. So right now, most of the focus is in enabling our customers, enabling our clients to organically communicate with their with their donor base and to use kernels as a hub. Uh, and to use kernels as a hub for what it's for, which is you know, at a at a reasonable cost, being able to do a really nice job at bringing on content about the programs, but also enable that that sharing behavior. Um, so that was kind of phase one. Was you know all about create a reputable place where you know folks are going to be comfortable in our market doing business. And phase two really was the pivot to SaaS and really a focus on um, uh, on on product features that enable them to organically communicate with their with their donors in a way that's going to make the most sense to them. When did you make that switch? Because you're roughly four years in in total. When did you make that switch to like proper SaaS, so to say? Yeah, I mean, four years, we're a little, I think we're a little over three. We incorporated, yeah. ah, we, incorporate, it, okay. yeah. we incorporated a little bit before I got, I got active with this. I was transitioning out of my previous uh, FinTech startup um uh before this um we we made the switch uh about a year and a half in so after we we raised a little bit more capital um and um basically we you know we were bringing on lots of institutions and and doing you know having successful projects but we were we were we knew it was quite obvious that the path to the level of adoption that would make the business viable and achieve the you know the type of impact that you know founded the company to have, you know, wouldn't be viable without that switch. And then it sounds like it's quite a, yeah, so to say, traditional space. Maybe the institutions are less of early adopters as you might find them if you would target, would be targeting, I don't know, SEO agencies. And it sounds like it's very uh, lower amount of numbers, but like higher higher uh, ticket size, meaning enterprise, enterprise sales type of customers yep. in a way. How do you approach the, the sales process? Because I know that a lot of people in enterprise sales are like, have a quite an aggressive outbound strategy, but my gut feeling is I'm not sure how well that would sit with institutions of that kind. So how do you manage the sales side of things as a founder in that uh, ecosystem? Yeah, sure. I mean, just for way of, by way of background, my previous company, Tradewind, I mean, we raised almost $30 million from a variety of strategic players in our space. Our clients were a combination of very large multinational banks, um, gold producers, because we built supply chain and, uh, and settlement software for that industry. Um, some of the largest refining companies in the world, the Canadian Mint, um, was an operator on our platform. You know, so I, I have, I'm used to dealing with institutions where, It's, it's important to come at them from a perspective that's going to make them make sense for them. Um, and, you know, when you're coming from a startup um, that people don't know what it is, 
um, it makes that all the more challenging. So, you know, approaching someone at, you know, um, so the way that we've approached it is we, we put quite a bit of effort, um, wouldn't say quite a bit, but a reasonable amount of effort into uh, some earned media in the earlier days. Once we'd gotten some pilots off the ground, we got a, uh, we were on the front page of the report on business in Canada uh, for the Globe and Mail, which is kind of Canada's national newspaper. I don't know what the circulation is. It's in the high billions. It's definitely the most, you know, I don't know if it's the most well-read paper in Canada. I don't want to throw something out that's wrong, but it's <laughs> quite it's, a big one. <laughs> it's, it's quite big. But we were on the front page of that. There was a big picture and a story that really described the company. And that drove a tremendous amount of uh, very, very high-level CEO level you know, interest in Canada. For example, um, you know, one of our uh, most engaged partners is the Canadian Cancer Society, which was came from CEO-level relationship, um, you know, uh, and then, you know, separately from that, we get a tremendous amount of organic, um, organic interest just because, you know, the world of medical research is relatively, um, you know, well-networked. So, you know, we have, for example, Paul Azen, who's the director of USC's uh, Alzheimer's Therapeutic Research Institute. That's not necessarily a household name, but it's without question the most significant center in the world coordinating clinical trials for Alzheimer's research across the globe. So, you know, when people see you know, people like Dr. Azen, when they see stories about our partnership and our, our you know, clients with like the Prince of Mercury Cancer Center, when they see those things happening and they see researchers from those different facilities who are of international caliber that are comfortable exposing themselves to the platform, um, you know, it drives a significant amount of interest. So, you know, really, I don't, I did a little bit of sort of cold outreach with, you know, testing some different value props and I really don't think it's an appropriate outreach strategy for a market. And I don't think it's necessary, which is, I think, probably the nicest thing about the business from a, you know, if you look at all of the different pieces that go into making a startup work is the acquisition side for our businesses is pretty robust. Like I said, I mean, we signed up 15, you know, mainly world recognizable or renowned part, you know, partners, clients, you know, out of our beta, um, you know, as a function of, of that, you know, of putting investing so heavily in that initial trust element and getting those first folks on there. Yeah. So it is, it is all referral based. So from the outside, it sounds like due to the quite unique thing you offer and the niche being so small in terms of potential customers that this word of mouth kicks in, meaning you're like, in a way, the big fish in a small pond, small pond, meaning just counting the, the institutions. Is that accurate? Like how many institutions are out there that could be potential customers? As, as someone out of the field, I have zero clue if that is accurate or if there are like thousands and thousands in, in practice. Yeah. I mean, you know, for us to be able to, you know, just to give you an idea of our organic backlog, you know, we have 350 institutions we consider in market that have come through our site, many of them with multiple visitors. We have 60 qualified leads in our pipeline where we believe all of those have a uh, you know, multi six figure ACV potential for us. Um, you know, so there is quite a number, um, you know, the, in the U S the space is a $50 billion, um, gross space is roughly $50 billion a year, um, which is donated, um, through channels that would be appropriate to apply to, to kernels being helpful, um, in the space. Um, you know, so that's at, I think something in the order of magnitude of around a thousand institutions in the a thousand institutions or organizations in North America, um, that would be, you know, potential customers for us at a scale that would, would make sense for our business. Um, yeah. 
Makes sense. And then how do you plan to grow it from here? Because you already have like an amazing foundation. So what's the, the step from here to the next three, four to five years where you want to go? Yeah, I mean, you know, the block and tackle answer to that question is sort of what I said earlier, which is we need to, we need to both be com welcomed sort of inside the, inside the tent of our clients and partners that we've had success with to be able to scale with them. So one component is being able to figure out, excuse me, one component is being able to figure, figure out, um, you know, how we can work completely hand in glove with our tightest partners and that they're going to be able to use kernels at a scale within their organizations that, um, you know, that, that makes sense for them. Um, so I think that's kind of the first component. And I think the second component comes to a much larger question about sort of vision. Um, you know, if you're talking five years out for us, you know, and really the vision for the company, um, if you boil it all down is I firmly believe that, um, I, I don't, it's not that I believe it, it, it's a known fact. Um, if you understand somebody's intent, um, uh, if you understand your customer's intent, you're going to be very, very good at delivering what they want. And I'm not going to say selling them something, doing what they want. Uh, you know, I'm somebody who opts into sharing my data because I figure that it's probably known anyway, and I would rather get the benefit of being shown things or offered promotions or whatnot that might be applicable to me. What Kernels is part of, um, and I think is there is absolutely no question that what I'm saying will happen in the in the charitable space, and it already happens in some parts, but not in in others. Or, for example, where we're applied is we're going to be part of the stack that's used to understand what people's interest and intent, where people's interest and intent lies in different circumstances. So by, by taking something which starts at a very high level, so if you think about it, we could say, you know, I give money to the American Cancer Society, not a client of ours, don't know anybody there. So just I'm picking it because it's kind of the yeah. large ubiquitous kind of just to be for the avoidance of doubt. Um, but, you know, if you say I give money to the American Cancer Society versus I give money to the Breast Cancer Research Foundation versus I give money to a very, very, very specific, very small Breast Cancer Foundation, um, you know, you would probably know a lot more about somebody that was giving to that to that much much smaller specific organization. You probably guess a lot more about their intent than the American Cancer Society. That said, that doesn't scale particularly well. So having millions of very small organizations with all of the operations that surround them to be able to fo focus on funding things in very specific areas, you're replicating so many functions that ultimately the more efficient, larger organization when it comes to all the shared resources is better. So what do we do? Right, We deliver to that larger organization the capability to dial people into where they want to be and to understand that better. And what that'll do is that'll let those organizations focus on less time producing content that is not that potentially applicable to maybe anybody. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know exactly that answer. To focusing on putting their time and energy and money uh, and valuable resources that have been largely probably donated by the people or by our governments um, into giving the feedback to folks that um, that have intent in specific areas and and keeping them up with those threats. Um, so that's really how we grow is delivering delivering on. You know, going from kind of this content layer and hub and all the rest of this type of thing to something which is 
you know, realistically part of the stack that helps you understand as an organization, um, you know, what folks are interested in who have given to you or, or in other ways interacted with your, your digital presence. Amazing. And then as the last and final question, where can people find you online? Oh, uh, yeah. So, I mean, our website, obviously, kernels.com. Um, I, I'm not a big, uh, I am not a, a good uh, social media person. <laughs> so I yeah. just, I've got two young kids and, um, you know, the business and everything. So it's sort of, I sort of decided if I can't keep up with it properly, I mean, I, I see some of my heroes out there who are able to you know, keep up a wicked Twitter presence and they've always got interesting things to say. And I always think, man, those people have another gear, another gear in them than, than I do, but I just, I couldn't keep up with it. So I kind of stepped back, but, uh, so, you know, it's, uh, our, the companies is give with kernels. I mean, I am on Twitter, but it's certainly not something that I, I engage with regularly. So amazing. And I think you got your priorities straight there. Kids, kids come first and then Twitter, I guess for most people. <laughs> it depends on what you need to accomplish with your business but i feel like it's right right now true true amazing thanks a ton for coming on mike was a fun yeah chat. thank you thank you if you like this episode then you'll love the SaaS operator a weekly newsletter brought to you by early node with actionable insights from SaaS experts in the industry delivered right to your inbox every tuesday for free visit earlynode.com to subscribe